Hello and welcome to another episode of The Only Playbook. I am Sweetcar. I got Shovit with me. Shovit, first week of playoffs have transpired. Bye weeks. Man. But the one league that, you know, in our league where you're in the playoffs, unfortunately, it just did not happen the way you would have no. liked, the way I would have liked it. And the way it started out, it's just so shitty because it started out so well for you. And then, you know, when you put out the best possible team you can and the results just don't follow, it's, I feel like it's a lot easier of a pill to swallow, right? Like yeah. if you feel like you put out the lineup that you knew you would put out, there were no like ifs, ands, or buts, and you still lost, it's so much easier to be like, you know what? I did everything I could. Like there's really nothing I can control. No, absolutely. I lost by six points. Foreman only with 0.9 points. 10 carries for nine yards? Dude, that, that was atrocious. Hubbard got a lot of, um, he got the benefit of that, I think. And then he got, you know, yeah, he got a couple catches, but the running game, the Steelers just kind of yeah. shit, shit on their running game. Absolutely. And then <laughs> Dalton Schultz, man, like a high, like, 34 to 40 point game and he only gets two and two and a half points two reception 15 yards so you know you, you put your best players out there you expect them to produce and they don't and then you don't go to the next round so it is what it is yeah yeah again what can you do it's yeah. just the, the 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 way it tugs at your heart there always seems to be like an emotional tie to it like for right. you you started forming in in lieu of Najee Harris, who is your like own Pittsburgh Steeler, you know? And so to think about it from that perspective, it's like, God, like, of course I didn't back my own damn team. I was cynical about my own team. And like, as Vikings fans, we do that. I do that all the time. I hedge against my own team all the time because I know how much of a heartbreak it can be, but God, that, that's that. I feel like if there's anything that kind of slightly stings, maybe it's that, but even at that point, dude, like Foreman had been crushing it. And the Steelers' defense hadn't been great, and all of a sudden they just came to absolutely destroy the run. So what are you going to do? Yeah, it is what it is. On to the next, uh, you know, playoff matchup on the other league, and then on to next year after that. So yeah, exactly, exactly. A lot of that to unpack with the action, the slate of games. Shove it. Let's just kick things off so we can get into it with water cooler talk. I had mentioned it, um, but I'll mention it again because it's probably the most prevalent injury right now. Jalen Hurts sprains his shoulder. His status is officially in question for not just this upcoming week, but there is a chance he misses the rest of the regular season. And it's not even because necessarily the injury is that severe, but they are the one seed. They only need to win one or the Vikings need to lose one for them to lock up the one seed. And at that point, they're really not playing for anything. And so they have the opportunity to rest hurts and have them ready for the playoffs. So they're in a pretty advantageous situation, like as far as the team goes, but for fantasy owners, this is a nightmare, especially with a lot of people that had hurts probably sitting in a first round buy, And then now you're actually having your first playoff matchup and your quarterback is no longer there. Um, so that, that is very, very disappointing as a hurts owner. Um, I'm just thinking back to Shashot like four weeks ago being like, Oh, you don't have a backup for Hertz. And I'm like, nah, dude, like I, I, I've wait, I don't have a spot on my roster for a backup quarterback. And he's like, oh, I don't know, man. And I was just like, you know what? If Hertz gets hurt, then Hertz gets yeah. hurt. And lo and behold, what happens? Jalen Hurts gets hurt, and I have no quarterback on my bench currently. And for some reason, my league is just has guys with like three freaking quarterbacks on their bench. And I'm just like, what is this bullshit? It's not collusion against me. They they, they just seem to love quarterbacks. So for me right now, the my options are very very slim. And you know, I feel like the world works in mysterious ways where everything is just kind of coming full circle to the one person I've been shitting on all season, the one person I trusted before the season who was 
absolutely atrocious and just had a glimmer of goodness this last week before getting hurt. And now he is the guy that's sitting in my free agency and it's none other than freaking Russell Wilson, man. man. I, I just can't Fourth believe year. I can't, I don't How did we get here? Chauvin? How I, it's karma. I sat here on this podcast and shit on Russell Wilson all year. And what did the freaking fantasy football gods do to me? They got my quarterback hurt and they said, Hey, you know what? Your options are basically Russell Wilson, Brock Purdy, Gardner Minshew, Kenny Pickett, or Sam Darnold. So, um, I mean, I'm sitting in literally just the bottom, bottom, bottom of the barrel. And so out of those guys, again, I'm going to be doing this decision mauling all week long, but who stands out to you or who would you roll the dice with? Yeah, I think Russell Wilson is a tough one, but he's the the one that sticks out out of all these guys uh, just because of, you know, Russell Wilson. He had like 25 points last the week that he did play. Um, but, you know, he's he's playing against the Rams. They're playing against the Rams. So I don't like that matchup uh, for Russell Wilson. And then I, and the all the other guys, you know, maybe Brock Purdy, um, but he is also injured. So he's on like he's yep. questionable. So you don't know for sure. So I, I think for me, it would have to be, between Russ, uh, Russell Wilson or Brock Purdy, uh, none of these other guys, Minshew, uh, Pickett, you, you know, you, you don't get a lot of touchdowns with Pickett. Um, and t- Sam Darnold and Pickett are like basically the same player as far as fantasy goes, I think. So, yeah, it's I think for me it would be between Russell Wilson and Brock Purdy. Yeah, and I mean, the matchup with the Rams isn't amazing, but the Rams are also just like, you know, they just, they just kind of are there, you know? And so I feel like, it's easier for me to start Russ against a Rams team that basically has nothing to play for. They're really not playing for anything. They have Baker Mayfield starting for God's sakes. And they have like Van Jefferson and Skoranek and Atwell catching passes, you know, like that team just doesn't belong. Now, granted, again, those are the types of matchups that like make me worry that Russell just come in there and, and drop a dud. But I'm also forward thinking in that my playoffs is a two week matchup. I'm currently up like 60 points on my opponent. And so I can get by with a quarterback that'll just get me like 15 points. As long as they don't get me like three, like if I can just get 15 points, I'm happy. And then I'm looking on the next week for my finals two week matchup and Russ returns and plays Kansas City next week. And Kansas City was the defense that he started all of a sudden cooking against before getting the concussion. So like it's 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 lingering and it's like making me want to hold on and latch on to that. So yeah. I think I'm playing more of the long game with Russ, even if the matchup this week isn't the best. I like the matchup against Kansas City two weeks from now. And I think again, if I just need 15 points, you know, the guy that has the best chance to get me that floor is probably Russ. I mean create call me crazy but sam darnold was the other guy that i kind of yeah. really mulled over just because uh, i think their matchup is a little bit better this detroit. week that's a pretty good detroit. detroit detroit there you go that's why they're playing detroit and True. even if and detroit's run defense has been phenomenal and so and detroit will score points so i feel like darnold has to score points right so even if he throws picks and does stupid darnold stuff i just think they have to somewhat try to keep up and so I don't know. The matchup is kind of there, but those are the two guys. And I mean, shit, dude, if I started Kenny Pickett, I, I don't know what world I'd be in. I Again, it's just karma. Making fun of his small hands, and what do I have to rely on to win my finals? <laughs> Fucking Kenny small hands. So uh, again, it's just all of these guys, um, it's not it's not the best situation, but yeah. um, we'll talk more about this on the Friday episode when we preview this week. And at that point, I'm sure I'll be sitting in this exact same situation being like, shove it, make this decision for me because I just can't make it myself. I mean, you know, I, I hadn't looked at the matchups but when i when you say sam darnold against the detroit lions uh, zach wilson had two touchdowns uh 19 points so if you're looking yep. for that solid 15 points 
you might just get that with Sam Darnold against Detroit. And their run defense has been really good, so maybe they pass the ball even more. Um, yep. So more points for Sam Darnold. And he did have a little bit of chemistry with DJ Moore yeah. this week, which we'll talk a little bit more about. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's those two guys for me. I, You know, and, like, the last thing I'll say is Minshew is, like, obviously he just jumps in and he gets to plug and play in an offense that's insanely talented. But I don't know how much he can thrive in that same system because the system is kind of built for Jalen Hurts uh, to maximize, you know, both of the things he can do, throw and run. But it is still intriguing knowing that it's the Eagles, knowing that their offensive line is really, really good and he's got amazing weapons. So yeah, he could, he could also easily throw up 15 just because of the talent around him, but his matchup is against Dallas and that's kind of scary. So okay. that's that's the only thing. There's a lot of uncertainty with picking Gardner Minshew. I think. Um, yeah. You know, you, can, you know what you get from Russell. You you have you like the matchup with Darnold. Yeah, Minshew's just a little bit more of a. a <laughs> Hasn't played. Play. He's been sitting. On, yeah, a guy yeah. sitting on the bench and in my fantasy semifinals, I'm throwing him into the fire. Like play for me, bro. <laughs> so, uh, not not the not the best. Not the best. I, absolutely. So uh, again, we'll talk more about that when we record our next episode where we're previewing Week 16. But Again, that is a big injury. Jalen Hurts, Lamar Will, uh, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, like big-time quarterbacks are not healthy right now for fantasy playoffs, so a lot of players are probably pivoting to that waiver wire. The LA Rams, we'll talk about their game for Monday Night Football, but they are officially eliminated from the playoffs, and the reason I bring this up is they tie the 99 Broncos for the earliest elimination for the defending Super Bowl champs. So it's been, what, over 20 years since we've seen a Super Bowl champion get eliminated with, what, still four weeks left to play in the regular season from just even contending for the playoffs. So, um, you know, they sold their soul, you know, is kind of what we say. And everybody was talking about, oh, are they buying their championship? And they quite literally did that. And granted, they had to execute and they, they made shit happen. They won the Super Bowl. But this is, you know, one of the biggest I guess the biggest, unless, you know, we remember 90, the 99 season when we were eight years old, the biggest Super Bowl hangover that we've ever seen, because we've never seen a Super Bowl team eliminated from the playoffs before week 16 even transpires. So, um, you know, injuries didn't help them. Matt Stafford, Cooper Cup, you know, they had guys go down. Their running back situation was such a nightmare. Um, and I think the defense, you know, aside from the big three, um, Bobby Wagner, I guess not even Von Miller, Bobby Wagner, Dar- uh, Donald and Ramsey. It's all just kind of no namers, right? So it is a really, really weird year for the Rams. Um, but I don't think, you know, I don't know. I don't know how they probably approach it knowing that, Hey, just a year ago, we were Super Bowl champs. These things, these things are kind of going to happen. So let's just kind of move on. But it is still strange to know that, you know, the defending Super Bowl champs are officially eliminated from the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, they had no picks in the draft. Like they, <laughs> just, you know, I think the third round was their first pick and so you're right. They sold their soul. And I'm sure no one, I mean, they're probably, you know, thinking about next year, how to come back, but I'm sure they're not losing sleep over not being able to go to the playoffs. They're just yeah. won the Super Bowl last year. Yeah. They just won the Super Bowl. Really? Yeah. They're, they are still the Super Bowl champs till we have a new one. So, uh, yeah. I, I agree. And lastly, we had a shakeup in the top five draft picks for 2023. Houston is still number one. They are probably running away with that. Chicago seems to be solidifying their slot as the number two draft pick, which is going to be amazing. They need those weapons for Justin Fields. Seattle sitting at number three. Um, Detroit is sitting at number four now. And the Eagles, who are in the top five, have dropped five spots down to number nine because the Saints, who are giving them their pick, continue to win a little bit. So uh, they are now the ninth pick, which means Arizona comes into the top five. They're rounding out the top five. And we know that that team could use a lot of help as well um, for Kyler Murray and gang. So 
Um, it is interesting to see that there is going to be a quarterback heavy draft this upcoming year. And, you know, three of these five teams kind of already have a solidified quarterback. So I expect a lot of shakeup from trading down to draft picks, stuff like that, heading into the draft in 2023, because again, it's quarterback heavy. And a lot of these three of these top five picks do not need a quarterback. That is it for water cooler talk show of it. Let's get into it with the rundown. Uh, you're going to have to cut me off if I talk for about this game for like 35 minutes, because there is so much to discuss when wow. talking about the First game on Saturday, the Indianapolis Colts traveled to Minnesota to take on the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings were favored by four points, which they did not cover, but they do come out victorious 39 to 36, a shootout over 47 caches with caches with ease. Indianapolis now four, nine and one Minnesota officially wins the NFC North sitting at 11 and three. Let me just start out by saying this is the greatest statistically comeback in the history of the NFL. The Minnesota Vikings were down 33 to nothing at halftime. It was one of the worst just performances of football I had ever, ever seen. I'm not ashamed to say we were at a bar and um, I had some friends in town. So we were at a bar watching this game at halftime. We had the opportunity to stay there or go to a different bar. And I'm like, it's 33, nothing. Like I'm not going to be the reason the rest of my friends are just sitting here while watching my team just get bent over. So I'm like, you know what? That's fine. We're just going to leave. And I left. I did not have the game. Like I had it on my phone and I was watching it as we were walking and stuff, but I did not sit there and watch the game on the big screen. Like I imagined myself to do. And lo and behold, the Vikings pull, pull off this miraculous, miraculous comeback. I mean, an absolute tale of two halves. I mean, you look at this first half show of it, this offense, this offense that, you know, we give a lot of shit to the defense. I can't stop anybody. And so we expect the offense to carry us in the first half. This offense had zero freaking points. They had zero points on offense. They did not do anything. Kirk had like 40 yards passing, um, a lot of three and outs. It was atrocious. And the offense was putting the defense in really shitty situations, turnovers, uh, change of field position. The special teams was horrible, just allowing kick returns. So, you know, as bad as our defense is, our defense in the first half held the opposing team to four field goals. I mean, yes, that's still 12 points, but that's four opportunities where they did not score a touchdown on us, even though they had short fields. They did have one touchdown, and then the special teams also gave up a block punt touchdown. So all facets of our team were so bad, so bad. Like nobody came to play offense, defense, special teams. But out of all of those in the first half, I give the biggest, you know, not of like, that's fine to the defense because they were put in such a bad situation and we already know this defense sucks. So that is the expectation. So I can't sit here and be like, come on, defense, wake up. It's been 15 weeks. If they don't have it, they don't have it, you know? But what we do have is we have an offense that can put up points. So when they're putting up zero and allowing the Colts to go up 33, nothing, it is incredibly frustrating. But here's here's the, here's the kind of, the, the, the kicker to this is, in the second half, this same offense drops 39 points, and this defense only allows three. Five punts, one fumble, one fourth down stop, and, and even the special teams. Jalen Rager had two punt returns, one for 13 yards and one for 51 yards. That did get called back because of face mask, face mask from Chris Boyd, but it was like all three phases were like, we don't give a shit, and then after halftime, all three phases were like, we give a shit. So everybody stepped up. And I mean, again, there's so many places we can talk to talk about with this game, but it starts with Kirk Cousins. And what I said was Kirk basically at halftime 
went home. He he went home. Kirk was like, I'm done with this game. Six for 12, 40 yards. And Kirk O'Chains, Kirk O'Chains came out in the second half and lit shit up, bro. 460 yards passing, setting his career high, four touchdowns, 32.4 fantasy points, finishes at QB4. Yeah, I looked for Kirk on the fantasy playoffs, but uh, in the uh, free agency, but obviously he's sitting on somebody's bench, even though nobody's starting him. But it's incredibly, incredibly encouraging to see that despite basically a game that they had no shot of coming back and winning, they could have just folded it, thrown in the towel and moved on. Uh, they did not. And Dalvin Cook had a great game, 17 for 95, had that huge, huge screen touchdown of 60 plus yards, four for 95 and a touchdown, finishes as RB2 on the week with 25 points. Um, receiving core, phenomenal. Justin Jefferson, 12 for 123 and a touchdown. Wide receiver three. His own teammate finishes as wide receiver two. KJ Osborne coming out party, 10 for 157 and a touchdown on 16 targets our wide receiver three is getting 16 targets and that guy needs to see some more playing time adam thielen three for 41 and a touchdown he can reduce his playing time a little bit hawkinson three for 33 so again it, it makes sense that if you're going to have a historic comeback the fantasy points are going to be there from the offense right i mean everybody was cooking everything was working and here's the funniest part the colts were up 33 nothing at half let me tell you a little bit about the Colts offense statistically and why it's not impressive based despite the score. Matt Ryan only threw for 182 yards and a touchdown. Jonathan Taylor left the game hurt. Zach Moss got 24 carries, only got 81 yards. Deion, Deion Jackson, 13 for 55, caught one pass for one yard, and that just happened to be a touchdown. Uh, Michael Pittman Jr., 10 catches. Holy hell, only 60 yards. Alec Pierce, no catches, man. No catches. Goose egg. Imagine being a guy in like a 14-man league starting Alec Pierce, and he puts up an absolute goose egg against this 32nd ranked defense. Yeah, against the Vikings. Why didn't you start Pierce? And Paris Campbell. Why didn't you start Paris Campbell? Two catches for 13 yards. So the offense didn't do shit. This wasn't the Vikings defense's fault this game, despite all of the points that are on the board for the Colts. It was everything else that put the Vikings defense in such a shitty position and situation. The only guy on the Indianapolis Colts that deserves, you know, kudos from a fantasy perspective is their kicker. Chase McLaughlin, 21 fantasy points. He was the kicker one on the week. So um, just an insane, insane game. The roller coaster of emotions. It's just a story of being a Minnesota Vikings fan. Show it as a neutral fan. What did you think about this game? Dude, that was such a wild game. And like, even when you guys are uh, have come back and it's like 33 to 27 or 26 at that point, you know, the, the Colts have the ball with three minutes remaining. And uh, you guys have the, you, I think you had the, um, you went for it on fourth down, didn't get mm -hmm. it. So there's still that chance that you don't, make this comeback doesn't come through and the, for the defense to make that stop that last stop when uh the Colts had the ball that is uh, phenomenal I think Matt Ryan went for it on fourth down tried to uh quarterback you know, sneak quarterback sneak it they reviewed that play that didn't work out either so you know it was just it was an, an amazing performance by the Vikings it's just a tale of two halves like you know giving up the, the fumble by Dalvin Cook, uh, the punt, uh, the yeah, the punt block, and then that that gets into a touchdown. Like you guys just look like the worst team in the NFL, and then turned yeah. around to go and score those points. And uh, you know, I think Dalvin Cook had a amazing day too. I think Dalvin Cook yep. was 
part of the reason why you guys were able to move the chains and um, that long touchdown to tie the game, right? That was Dalvin Cook uh, mm-hmm. that, that did that. So I think that uh, Kirk, yeah, Kirk played well, but at times he was like, you know, it was four and out and not really connecting as much as he should have. Um, but Justin Jefferson and Dalvin Cook and then KJ Osborne, you know, those guys had a solid, solid game for you to, to win. So it's got to be a good feeling when your team comes back from 33-0 and it's got to suck it- for Colts fans. Yeah, I mean, I didn't even know how to put it into words because it's like, am I excited? Am I like disappointed? Am I like, this is kind of what being a Vikings fan is? You know, like it's incredibly exciting to come from behind, but at the same time going down 33 nothing to an Indianapolis Colts team that's being run by like 65-year-old Matt Ryan and Jeff Saturday, who is like a laughing stock for getting hired as their head coach. Like it kind of puts things into perspective a little bit. So it's like, okay, Kevin O'Connell, you're supposed to be like, you know, the future mastermind, Jeff Saturday's a laughing stock and he's completely out coaching you. Like the, 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 the play where they went for it on fourth down in the first yeah. half and a fake punt. That was right. one of the play calls I've ever seen. It was like, it was such a desperation move where it was like, Hey, we already went for it on fourth down. Like the possession before we tried to run it up the middle, we got stuffed. So this time we know we still need to go for it. Cause we're like getting our asses handed to us, but let's try to get cute and have our punter throw a pass. And it's like, you know, there's times to fake punt. But being down 33 nothing when the defense kind of expects you to go for it is probably not the best time to also fake punt. Like, if you're going to go for it, just go for it. I'm, I'd much rather have the football being thrown by your quarterback who's making $35 million than by your punter in a game where you're down 33 points, you know? So so I think that, like, if the game was closer and they went for a fake, I would like that way more because I'm like, okay, maybe the defense wasn't expecting that. But when you're down five scores and the defense is expecting you to probably continue to be aggressive – that kind of felt expected. So I didn't love the play call. I felt like it was very, very forced. And it was one of the first times I was like, Kevin O'Connell, you know, not the best coaching decision, but, but I don't care. The result at the end of the game is that the Vikings win. Everybody continues to hate on the Vikings are, you know, Vikings fans included, because it's like, how long can this keep lasting? You know, it's like, oh my God, negative point differential, statistically the worst team in the history of football to be 10 and three. And somehow they just had the greatest comeback in football history to now be 11 and three and win the North. I mean, what they did in the second half, they just need to do that in all four quarters. You know, if they play <laughs> I'm like saying, that, I'm saying, it's why, why do they wait? Why do they wait to unleash like the offensive? Like we've seen Kirk and Jefferson and all these guys just be unleashed at times, but it's just so weird because all of those three and outs in the first half when the other team was just scoring on scoring on like, why can we not put it together for four quarters? I think that's the biggest question mark. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to overlook things when we came out victorious in a game, we shouldn't have won, but there are still a ton of question marks, uh, obviously with this team as there always has been, but, um, you know, enough about the Vikings. They win the game. They're 11 and three. I'm ecstatic. Insane comeback. If Shishot was here, we'd probably talk on for another 35 minutes. So uh, thankfully he's not on this episode, even though we miss him. So Shovit, I'm going to let you kick us off with the next game before I keep talking. All right. So from one really good game to one, not so good, you know, a little bit boring classic AFC North showdown between the Baltimore Ravens and Cleveland Browns. Uh, the final score was 3-13. to 13. Cleveland was favored by three points, and they covered that spread. Uh, so Baltimore goes on to 9-5. and five. Cleveland is now 6-8. and eight. And on the Browns' side, um, they had uh, you know, they had a pretty good game, uh, offense, uh, uh, defensively more, more than offense. But uh, some of the star players, Nick Chubb, 21 carries for 99 yards. So he had a, a solid uh, game as far as uh, fantasy goes. Didn't see the, touch, uh, see the end zone, but still gets you know, 99 yards. Uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones does see the end zone. Four receptions, 
31 yards on four targets. Uh, he might be someone uh, that you might consider starting, but I think that the touchdown to Donald, Donald People Jones was a benefactor of Amari Cooper not getting the touchdown, uh, the play right before that. Four. So, yep. Yeah, Amari Cooper had four receptions, 58 yards. Not the greatest of fantasy days, but I think, you know, in a game like this where there's just not a lot of points to go around, um, DP, uh, Donald Peoples Jones is the benefactor of that. Um, but yeah, Cle- Cleveland's defense played really well. They had a turnover downs in the red zone. They had an interception in the uh, in the red zone off of Deshaun Jackson's hands, which who I think Deshaun Deshaun Jackson I think is probably done at this point. Like he's he shouldn't yeah, be playing 100%. anymore. He, he he didn't look good. He didn't look good at all. Um, and uh, the the Cleveland defense also had a fumble recovery. They also blocked a field goal. Uh, so not good for um. Their kicker, who I'm drawing a blank right now. Uh, Katie, is it Katie York? No, no, no. Uh, the kicker for the Ravens. Uh, the, oh, the, for the Tucker. Tucker. Yeah, Justin Tucker. Tucker. Yeah, Justin Tucker. Not yeah. the greatest day for Justin Tucker, who missed a field goal and had a field goal block. But uh, on the Ravens side, a uh, big day for J.K. Dobbins. 13 carries, 130, 125 yards. That was He had 100 yards in the second half already. So he's looking like a, a solid start. I did start him. Uh, in lieu of uh, Najee Harris this week, uh, but uh, yeah, no, J.K. Dobbins had a had a solid day. But all in all, it all comes down to the Browns' defense and uh, a an okay play, if that's a, you know if that's a way to put it, and and a decent play by Deshaun Watson. I think he was doing he he used his legs often. He had six carries carries for twenty two yards. Um, he had the touchdown to Donovan Peoples Jones, and he had a. He was 18 for 28 for 161 yards. So what I'm seeing is Deshaun Watson's kind of getting better and better connecting with his receivers. I don't think he's a fantasy start still, but he's he's still a guy you need to look into, like just stash and just see, you know, especially with these injuries, like Jalen Hurts gets injured. You know, Deshaun Watson is a guy that you keep on your team and, and see if there's something that can come out of it. I know there's only two games of the fantasy season left, but still, you know, uh, I wouldn't drop Deshaun Watson. Just quite. Anything can happen. You can just not ro- – your quarterback can get hurt in the last week and you can get cute by not having a backup rostered right? quarterback like myself. And right now, I would kill to have Deshaun Watson. I would, I would be like, that'd be amazing. But yeah, I mean, you know, low scoring affair, the weather played a huge factor in this, right? I mean, it's not every day you see Tucker miss a field goal and then have a field goal get blocked. Like, you know, if, and he's my fantasy uh, kicker, right? So that's, he went from an upside of potentially 14 fantasy points to only three. And, you know, thankfully that's not the reason I lost. I mean, I didn't lose so that, you know, that didn't end up being a a big reason or anything like that, but um, that, that is definitely something to keep an eye on. It's one of these types of games where, you know, I had thought about it. I had even picked up Nick Folk and I started him in our league, but he was on my bench in the other league just because I'm like, man, I cannot bench Tucker. The Browns defense isn't great. A little win, whatever. He's the best kicker of all time. Like it doesn't matter. And it did matter. It did matter. I mean, he put up three and I think Folk put up 13 or 14. So, um, you know, I know the old omen and the homage is to like, start your studs, like don't bench your studs. And Tucker is like the only kicking stud, you know, but but every once in a while, you know, when it's championship time and time to make those types of decisions, weather can be your worst enemy. So, you know, the Josh Allens, you know, guys, guys that are expected to put up a ton of points, if they're playing in 30 mile an hour winds and snowstorms, like all of that goes poop bye bye. Right. So, uh, you know, in those situations, you want to make the right decision, even if it's going to kill you to see them succeed on the bench. So uh, low scoring affair, super windy day, but uh, I'm kudos to the Browns with the um, Deshaun Jackson at the helm or Deshaun Watson at the helm to come away victorious against the Ravens is pretty impressive. 
Miami Dolphins and the Buffalo Bills were the next game on the board. Miami traveled to Buffalo as a seven-point underdog. There was supposed to be a snowstorm, but surprisingly, the snow was all cleared up, and it was a pretty nice day. And so there were points to be had. Over 44 was, uh, you know, annihilated. 32-29, to 29, Bills win this game final. Uh, Miami drops to 8-6. and six. They're currently the last playoff spot in the AFC. Buffalo sitting pretty at 11-3 and three as the number one seed. And this was a back-and-forth affair. I mean, the Bills took the lead early. The Dolphins had a huge huge third quarter to make a big comeback. And then the bills kind of took care of business in the fourth, Josh Allen, another fantastic day. He is officially the quarterback one and he should be the quarterback one. He was probably the first quarterback drafted in most fantasy leagues. And he's absolutely delivered three Oh four, Three, 304 through the air, four scores, 10 rushes for 77 yards. He was the QB one this week as well, 35.86 fantasy points. Uh, the running game outside of him, not so great. Singletary, 13 for 42. Cook, 5 for 34. Uh, Cook did catch a pass, two passes for five yards and got into the end zone. So he did salvage a fantasy day to be somewhat decent. Dawson Knox was kind of the big receiving benefactor there, six for 98 and a touchdown. He was tight end three this week with 18.8 fantasy points. Uh, not the best performance if you had Stephon in the playoffs, five catches, 60 yards, Gabe Davis, four for 56. So, um, you know, big names like Diggs, guys you expect to perform in the playoffs did not have his best game on the Dolphins side Tua still through for 234 and two scores. Mozart was the biggest name in this offense, 17 carries 136 yards, rushing caught one ball for 20 yards. Jeff Wilson didn't play. So he got all of the touches. Jalen Waddle had a nice game early, then got hurt three catches, 114 yards and a touchdown Hill. Not as good of a game, but still a great game. You'd still take that from uh, Tyreek Hill. Nine catches, 69 yards, and a touchdown. So both receivers did their thing. Nice to see Waddle, but um, you know, unfortunate to see him again go down with an injury. And it seems like he's played hurt all season, which is not what you want to see, which is not how to maximize Waddle and how to get the most out of him and help your quarterback in Tua. But uh, Jeff Wilson, I think, is going to be back this week. So the Mozart 17 carries for 136. They're going to go back to probably splitting carries. But Buffalo takes this game, man. They're now 11-3, first place in the AFC. The Dolphins, you know, at 8-6, and six, they're the seventh seed. So there is a chance, you know, the AFC has a team that wins 10 games and doesn't make the playoffs. So uh, you don't want to be that if you're Miami. They're going to have to come away with winning at least two out of the next three to put themselves in a good spot. Yeah, I think that uh, whoever's working on the Buffalo Bills, like the cleaning cleanup crew, did a good job of taking all the snow away because it looked like it didn't Dude, even snow. Yeah, what? Three quarters. Like it, it was I was I was wild. so shocked. Yeah, it, it didn't even make sense to me. I was like, okay, this is a place that it was snowing. And like all the pictures you saw from like the day before and like the morning of, right. it was like, filled like absolutely just filled with snow and then they put up like 60 combined points because the weather is perfect well then and then the fourth quarter happens and then it it just starts starts pouring. yeah starts and to pour yeah for you know it's snowing and it's all all white on the fields and i think that's what kind of hurt the miami dolphins comeback chances or or when it was tied 29 29 you know uh these guys from miami where it's like you know 70 degrees out there playing in buffalo i think that they can't play they had heaters they had heaters at 55 degree temperatures so just imagine how cold they were in buffalo right man awesome well that takes us to the next game philadelphia eagles at chicago bears uh the the eagles were favored by nine points they do not cover that spread as the final score is 25 to 20 to under hit uh which was at 48 and a half uh, on the Eagles' sides, Jalen Hurts, uh, again again with a good good game. Um, he had a rushing touchdown with 13 in the year. He's actually one shy away from the record uh, with Cam Newton, uh, who has 14. 2015 season probably? Or I 14, think so. Yeah. His, his MVP um, season, yeah. 
he's he's you know he's we just talked about him he's injured so he may not get that uh you know 14 uh rushing touchdowns this year which kind of sucks because he's having a solid year but um yeah his injury is going to be is going to be key for fantasy um playoff uh, owners and so you know so definitely uh look into waiver wire to pick up somebody else uh Devontae smith had a solid game five catches for 126 yards aj brown nine catches for 181 yards Miles Sanders, not so much. 11 carries, 42 yards. The rushing game wasn't really there for their running back. But, you know, that's that's the Eagles team. Sometimes their rushing game is good. They're so uh, one-dimensional. <laughs> so one-dimensional, right? With Devonta Smith getting 126 yards, uh, AJ Brown 181. But they can do that. They can run the ball or they can pass the ball. And, and what they choose to do is probably depending on the scheme. I think Hertz had two interceptions in this game. So, mm-hmm. and uh, some people are crediting that to the cold weather in Chicago that, that may have caused that, but all in all, you know, they still put up 25 points. They still, they still uh, end up winning this game on the bear side fields ran for 95 yards to reach a thousand yards, exactly a thousand yards. Uh, he was definitely hobbled at times, but came back to throw a touchdown to, to Byron Pringle. Montgomery gets a passing and a rushing touchdown, 12 carries, 53 yards fields man he was so close to getting that touchdown if he hadn't stepped out of bounds i would probably be in the playoffs right now still but uh he steps out but he still has you know 95 yards um the bears are have lost seven straight now which uh, you know it's it's probably good at this point because they're like you said number two in the draft pick for draft pick for for next year uh but all in all eagles were the better team and they win 25 to 20 Love it. Wait, Montgomery had a passing touchdown? Do you mean receiving touchdown? Receiving touchdown. Or did he I'm actually? Sorry. Okay. I was like, damn, they threw no. with Montgomery. Every mm-hmm. running back's just trying to throw touchdowns these days. I feel like I'm seeing that way more in the NFL. So I wouldn't even be surprised if that was a passing touchdown. But uh, Battle of the Division in the NFC South, the Falcons and the Saints played and Atlanta traveled to New Orleans as four-point underdogs. They cover the spread but don't win the game. Saints win this one 21-18 final, under 43 caches. Both teams now sitting at 5-9. and nine. Still neither team out of the playoffs and out of the uh, chance to win their division. Desmond Ritter got his first NFL start. Did not look great. 13 for 26, only 97 yards through the air. No touchdowns, no interceptions. Did run the ball six times for 38 yards. Um, but the Falcons did what I thought they were going to do. They were going to try to run the ball with their running backs a ton. Tyler Algier, 17 carries, 139 yards and a touchdown. We talked about it last week. This is no longer Cordero Patterson's backfield. This is a split, if anything. And right now, Algier made the most out of his touches, whereas Patterson had 14 for 52 and a touchdown. Still solid, but not Algier numbers. The one Good thing I will say about this, Ritter only had 13 completions. He only had a 50% completion percentage, only threw for 97 yards. But Drake London and him seem to have some chemistry. London saw 11 targets, 7 catches, 70 yards, which is more than half of Ritter's completions. So there is some chemistry there forming for the 2023 season for Dynasty players, etc. Uh, that could be something to watch out for for next season. On the Saints side, Andy Dalton, 151 through the air, two touchdowns, just continues to do things under the radar, being underappreciated, Expected to have his job taken from him at any moment, but he's doing fine. 151 and two scores. Taysom Hill comes in, throws two passes for 80 yards and a touchdown. Also runs it seven times 
for 30 yards. So if you're starting him in your tight end spot this week, you had a great week. Alvin Kamara, 21 carries, 91 yards, rushing, only two catches for 13 yards. Disappointing side on the receiving core. Chris Olave, only three catches for 53 yards. He's been so good. It seems like he's open on every play. He's the kind of guy that once they do have a solidified quarterback, I mean, that guy is just going to be a star. Uh, Shahid is the guy that they seem to love throwing the ball deep to. Three for 95 and a touchdown. Um, So he is taking some targets away from Olave, at least uh, the deep balls because of Shahid's speed. But again, I don't expect that to continue heading into next season once they actually get a quarterback. Uh, and Jawana Johnson, Jawan Johnson, I call him Jawana Touchdown because all of this guy does is catch touchdowns. Only caught four passes, but two of those were touchdowns, 67 yards. This is insane. This guy gets hurt, comes back, catches touchdowns. Gets hurt, comes back, catches touchdowns. I think uh, his last seven games, if you like extrapolate that on a 17 game season, he's on pace for 17 touchdowns. So this guy is just insanity. Somehow him and Dalton have this connection in the red zone. The red rifle looks to Juana touchdown. So, uh, he has two scores. If you started him, you were absolutely ecstatic saints win this game 21, 19, 18. Again, they even up the, uh, divisional rankings. And now both teams are only one game back of Tampa Bay for number one in that division with nine losses. What a shitty division, man. Just what a shitty division. That is incredible. All right. That takes us to the next game. Detroit Lions at New York facing the Jets. The final score was 20 to 17. And this is an even spread. The under hit, um, which was set at 44. The final score, 2017. So that's what? 37 points. Um, but yeah, the, 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 the Jets came out and tried tried to compete against the Lions, weren't able to. I think Zonovan Knight didn't have such a great day, 13 carries for 23 yards. So we talked about whether the Lions' run defense was for real, and they did a good job of stopping Zonovan Knight. Um, Garrett Wilson had four receptions on nine targets, which led to 98 yards. Um, so that's, that's a pretty good stat as far as fantasy goes there. CJ Uzoma had two touchdowns from Zach Wilson. Um, so that's a solid, solid day for their tight end there. And Zach Wilson, I thought he had sort of an up and down uh, day. He did get two touchdowns, but throws an interception that leads to a field goal. He wasn't really the reason they lost the game. Um, so I don't think he played terrible, but he, you know, he it wasn't great either. Uh, and then on the on the line side, Amon Ray St. Brown, seven reception, ten uh, on ten targets, seventy six yards, had a pretty good pretty good day uh Khalif Raymond five for 53 on six targets and then Brock Wright who gets the the only passing touchdown one reception for 51 yards I think that was the one that allowed them to win win the game so it was a hard-fought game by the Lions and the Jets and the Jets still had a chance to to tie the game um late in the fourth quarter and Greg Zerline missed a a game tying a 58-yard field goal so uh you know it was just one of those nitty-gritty type of games and uh the Lions come out on top they they had enough of the firepower to be able to defeat these uh Jets defense so uh, kudos to the Lions as they are now uh, seven and seven, along with the Jets, who are also seven seven, with playoff hopes still alive for both teams. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it on the uh, preview episode, right? Jared Goff on the road in the cold, away from the dome, like first big test, and yeah, he only had one touchdown pass, but he still looked, he still played really, really well. I've been very impressed with Jared Goff. The offensive line is holding up. Uh, you know, they. they completed passes against sauce Gardner here and there. So uh, they were able to move the football. They were able to kind of play their game despite, you know, being in a hostile environment, being outdoors, being in the cold. So I'm very impressed. This might be the jets, 
most or the Lions' most impressive victory of the season, in my opinion. Again, on the road in New York, a tough place to play. Um, very, very impressed there. And seven and seven, man, they're not out of it. The Jets are currently the ninth seed in the AFC, so they seem to continue to drop a little bit. Uh, but there are still three games left, so we'll see what happens. Moving right along, Shovet, your Pittsburgh Steelers had another great game in Carolina against the Panthers. Pittsburgh came into this game as two and a half point underdogs. They said, keep the points. We will win the game outright. 24 to 16 final over 37 and a half caches. Pittsburgh now six and eight, man. They just, they are hovering over that line. Three more wins. If they win out, they are officially another year for Tomlin above 500. Carolina drops to five and nine, but it doesn't matter. We just talked about the, uh, the other teams, the Saints and the Falcons, are all five and nine. So despite losing, they are still not out of the playoff picture. Mitch Trubisky gets a start with Kenny Pickett still in concussion protocol. Just a whatever day for Mitch. 179 through the air, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Ran it six times for a measly nine yards, but did rush into the end zone for a score. Najee Harris sitting on your bench. So unfortunate. 24 for 86 and a touchdown. Jalen Warren got into the end zone as well. 11 carries, 38 yards. Also caught one pass. Deontay Johnson doing more Deontay Johnson things that we expected him to do all season long, but a little too late and, you know, kind of whatever. 10 catches, 98 yards. Pickens only two for 53. Doesn't matter if Pickens has one catch or 10 catches. If he has one catch, that one catch usually ends up being like a spectacular grabbing it over some guy. If he has 10 catches, usually still has one of those. I am just so shocked that Pickens isn't getting force fed the football like other you know, superstars or other stars that know how to jump up and get the football are. I know it's the quarterback situation. You probably don't have the guy to feed Pickens, but man, when he gets a quarterback, boy, was I wrong about this guy. His hands are just like glue, man. He jumps over a guy. His body is so in control when he's doing that. It's like, you know, I don't know, like when you're running full speed and you have to jump up for a football position, your body, like doing all those things at the same time are very damn difficult, but he makes it look so smooth, so silky smooth, and it's effortless for him. So I'm excited, excited to see kind of what the future for Pickens is in Pittsburgh once they actually get a solid quarterback. And wow. Pat, Pat Fryermuth had zero catches on zero yards, but that's not the craziest thing. This guy had zero targets. Mitchell Trubisky threw the ball to Fryermuth a total of zero times. I don't know what came over me. I know he was hobbled and he had some injury designation, but he ended up being cleared and ready to play. But I decided last minute to bench him. Now, it's not like I benched him for somebody amazing. Like I benched him for Dolchich and Dolchich had one catch for 11 yards. So that's better than no catches. That is better than no catches. I still made the right decision, but um, just wild, man. Fryermuth has been a staple in this offense, staple as a tight end uh, for this season. Zero targets, zero catches. Probably probably lost some people their fantasy matchups. So, um, Unfortunate there on the Panther side, Sam Darnold, the guy that I am debating streaming 225 through the air, one touchdown, no interceptions, only ran the ball twice for two yards. But the story of this matchup, the reason the Steelers win this game is they absolutely bottled up this Carolina run game. Zero. They had zero run game. Deontay Foreman or Dante Foreman, 10 carries for a total of nine yards. Atrocious. Chubba Hubbard, four carries for a total of 10 yards. Salvage's fantasy day, three catches for 57 yards. But again, Pittsburgh did the one thing that the Panthers know how to do, and they stopped that. They said, fuck that. We're not going to let you do that. So Darnold, go ahead and beat us. And what did he do? He didn't beat you. So they executed their game plan to the T. Again, another victory that I put on the back of coaching. Mike Tomlin, man, that dude is a guru. He knows how to take away the thing that the other team does best. And this is, again, every time Mike Tomlin's going to coach or coach against a opponent that has similar, similar team where they're not a superior team. 
I always think Mike Tomlin's going to come out victorious because he is just a better coach than most people are. So uh, great job for the Steelers. DJ Moore, the one guy on the Panthers, five for 73 and a touchdown. So uh, is there a resurgence there with Darnold at the helm? I don't know. It's maybe still too small of a sample size to go off of, but uh, Darnold and the Panthers get that really, really inviting matchup next week against Detroit. So I'm sure there will be a lot of people that are going to be mulling over starting DJ Moore, Foreman, even Chuba. And if you're really, really desperate like myself, you're going to probably think about starting Sam Darnold. So Steelers take this one 24 to 16. Yeah, amazing. I think the whole team is kind of uh, rallying over uh, Mike Tomlin to get him that nine and eight finish uh, so that he has a, you know, 500 or better record which he's never had under 500 seasons so hopefully that comes to fruition um so we'll see all right next up we'll go to dallas where the dallas cowboys shit the bed on a jacksonville jaguars the final score was 34 to 40 jaguars end up winning this game dallas was favored by four points they do not cover the spread the over under was at 47 and a half and that gets blown out of the roof uh, with a total of 74 points. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the Cowboys, the silver lining here is they still clinched the playoff berth because of the Washington loss. Um, but, you know, Jags did a very, very good job of, of coming back from a 27-10 to 10 Cowboys lead to win the game led by Trevor Lawrence, who had four touchdowns, uh, complemented by Travis Etienne, who ran for 103 yards. Uh, and, and the receivers, man, Zay Jones, six receptions, 109 yards, and three touchdowns. Zay Jones was like the wide receiver three in Raiders country. And out here, outplaying uh, Christian Kirk, um, who also had six receptions for 92 yards and 10 targets. So not, not that bad of a day either. Um, and Evan Ingram, eight receptions on 62 yards on 10 targets. So uh, receivers there, uh, you know, definitely benefiting from the the type of play, the uh, type of game that uh, this game was, you know, had to pass the ball often. And I think that Trevor Lawrence did a, did a really good job of leading this team to a, to a win. Um, and not to say that, you know, Dallas also had, uh, Dallas players had, had, you know, great numbers as far as fantasy goes. Dak Prescott, uh, three touchdowns, 256 yards. He also threw two interceptions. However, um, the rushing uh, Tony Pollard, 19 carries, 75 yards, no touchdown for for him, uh, Zeke does get to a touchdown, 16 carries, uh, 58 yards. And then the, the receiver I want to highlight is for, from the Dallas is Noah Brown. Six receptions, 49 yards, two touchdowns, and nine targets. So definitely solidifying that wide receiver two role that I thought that Michael Gallup would have. Michael Gallup, only one reception, two yards, and two targets. So Noah Brown seems more and more like a trustworthy start. And then Obviously, C.D. Lamb, seven receptions, 176 yards on seven targets, seven for seven. So he had a good day as well. Uh, one of the more surprising things to me was the Dalton Schultz situation. Two receptions, 15 yards on four targets. Hendershot kind of vultures his uh, touchdown that he could have gotten into the red zone in the red zone uh, with that one reception for 20 yards. But I was uh, I was a little upset with Dalton Schultz not not doing well. But um, you know. It, it, so, yeah, fantasy-wise, not so great for Schultz owners. But the Jaguars, uh, this game goes into overtime. It's It was uh, 34-34, and Rashawn Jenkins intercepted Dax, tipped pass in overtime for a 52-yard touchdown run. So the Jaguars, kudos to them. They were able to win this game and, and defeat the Cowboys and come back in a, in a victorious way. 
Yeah, man. Jags, six and eight. I talked about, so the Jets who are in ninth place at seven and seven, the Jags are right behind them at six and eight. So they are two games behind the seven seed, which is Miami. Miami's got a tough, tough schedule left. They still play Buffalo and I, I think they play, uh, so they, they play Green Bay and then they play the uh, Patriots and the Jets, who are the two teams that are right below them in the playoffs. So, you know, some two te- teams in that spot are going to be losing games. And the Jags, who basically, if they win out, they go nine and eight. Listen to their schedule. They got the Jets next week. So if they can win at the Jets, they go to Houston and then they end the season potentially with an opportunity to win their division against Tennessee. So, uh, they're only one game back of Tennessee right now. And Tennessee, I believe, has, um, they have somebody on their schedule that is not favorable. Yeah, they have Dallas. They have Dallas in two weeks, right? So if the Jags win the next two, Tennessee loses to Dallas, that week 17 matchup or week 18 matchup, I guess, uh, Tennessee against Jacksonville is going to be for the division. And Trevor Lawrence and the Jags are currently playing some good, good football. And the last thing I want to highlight is I think we can finally put to rest the whole, do we start Evan Ingram? Do we not start Evan Ingram? Like he is, he gets so much volume, man. Like I still think he'll have his dud days because all tight ends not named Kelsey and even Kelsey this year have had dud days, but for the amount of targets he gets for the trajectory that this offense and Lawrence are currently putting themselves on. I think he warrants an automatic start every week at this point. Yeah, I agree. That takes us down to Houston, where the Chiefs were supposed to blow this team out of the building, but that did not happen. It was not the blowout that I expected. This game actually went to overtime, where the Chiefs absolutely did not cover the 14-point spread. Houston covers 14, over 49.5 caches, but the Chiefs come away victorious, as they always do in close games. 30-24 to final. They're now 11-3, their second place in the AFC. Houston won 12-1. They've pretty much got that number one, C, or number one draft pick locked up. Mahomes had a great game 336 through the air two scores five rushes 33 yards one score on the ground qb3 on the week 32.74 fantasy points uh we talked about the teams being able to run the football against houston pacheco had a nice day 15 carries 86 yards one catch 11 yards but boy oh boy was he overshadowed again by the jet jarek mccannon only 10 rushes and 52 yards but a touchdown on the ground and this man caught eight passes for 70 yards and had a receiving touchdown is this guy after having back-to-back rb1 finishes rb1 he was the number one running back in fantasy football this week the number one running back in fantasy football last week and he was sitting on my bench for both weeks because why would i start jarek mckinnon at this point how can you not start Jarek McKinnon, right? I mean, after finishing RB1 for back-to-back weeks, you're almost forced to put this man in your lineup. And unfortunately, he's in that kind of situation where I worry that after 30 and 28 points, he's due for a game where he's not going to score as much. Well, they play the Seahawks next, and the Seahawks gave a lot of rushing Ooh. yards. So that okay. could be a place where you still go with the hot hand in McKinnon. Yeah, I mean, again, there seems to be a world right now with Pacheco getting rushing attempts and they can at least run the football against bad running teams. You could live in a world where both these guys are starting on your fantasy team. Uh, So again, Jarek McKinnon has been incredible for them. Travis Kelsey, 10 catches, 105 yards. Juju, 10 catches, 88 yards. Um, On the Houston side, you did not start anybody on their team. So uh, hopefully we don't need to spend much time talking about them. Kudos to them. They cover the spread. They don't get blown out. That's back-to-back weeks where Vegas and the entire world continues to look down upon them making them incredibly huge underdogs. And what do they do? They cover the spread and they play both teams close, man. That's the Cowboys. And now that's the Chiefs where Houston has played both teams close. That is all you can hope for when your team is 112 and one. But nonetheless, the Chiefs win this one. They're now 11 and three. 
Yeah, Shashot called it. He was uh, worried about the Chiefs' defense being started, and I think they only had like five points um, total. So yeah, it was that was a good call, and the, you know Houston putting up twenty four points. So uh, what, what what can you do about that? But you know we talked about Evan Ingram. You know if I was gonna do the draft over again, I would definitely not draft him on my team at all. I would stay away as much as I can. But I am gonna do whatever it takes to go out and grab Travis Kelsey because if you have him on your team. Man, that's like that's a game changer. If you get if you yep. get him in, I don't know, like uh, second round seems high, but that might be the smart play. Just Dude, he's how... almost a first round talent. So yeah, I mean, if you don't get him in the second round, you're not going to get him. Right, it's unfortunate. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So yeah, going out and getting Travis Kelsey, that's the mistake I I, I think I did this year. But uh, if I could if I could do it over again, I'm going out and getting him for sure. Yeah, I mean it, the the tight end grouping is Kelsey. Right. And then everybody else, right? Everybody else. I know Andrews has been up there. Kittle's been up there at times and stuff. But just from start to finish, consistency level, it's Kelsey and it's everybody else. Yeah, you don't get that consistency any anywhere else. Nope. All right. Next up, that takes us to the Cardinals at Denver Broncos. Both teams playing with not without their starting quarterbacks and. Uh, Denver comes up with a win, 15-24. to 24. They were favored by three points. Uh, they do cover that spread. Denver Broncos, Latavius Murray, man, turning back the time, 130 yards and gets a touchdown for them. Uh, Jerry Judy had a, a pretty solid uh, game, solid day without Sutton out there, seven reception on eight targets, 76 yards. Um, the so on the Cardinals side, James Conner had a late touchdown and also had 63 yards on 16 carries to kind of salvage his fantasy day. Hopkins, seven receptions on 11 targets, 60 yards, which is okay. You want to see more from Hopkins, but, you know, uh, with um, Colt McCoy and, and I think uh, their backup came in. Uh, backup for Trace Colt McSwirly. Yeah. Yes. McSwirly came in. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, what can you get from uh, Hopkins when, when that happens? Uh, and, and the Cardinals, you know, the Broncos defense played really well. The Cardinals were held to two of 12 on third downs. Um, and they, they really just kind of won this game because they switched up the way they were, they were playing, you know, JJ Watt had three sacks in the first half Broncos started playing the short game to neutralize that rush. And which leads to, to touchdowns in the second half. So that allowed them to win the game and Cardinals really had no answer in, and at four and ten, ten, this is this is one of the games where I think like there was like over ten thousand empty seats because you know nobody wants to see the Cardinals. The Broncos fans have given up on the Broncos, so I wonder what's going to happen with the Cardinals. Broncos, I think they're probably going to still try to keep the same, um, you know, uh, front office to uh, see what happens next year. But Kiff Clemsbury, man, I say it, I've said it before. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if he is there next week uh, or next year or not. Uh, but both teams are now four and ten on the year with yeah absolutely no playoff hopes so um yeah yeah it, the the Cardinals situation is just terrible the good thing is right now they're now sitting as the number five overall pick in the draft so at least they have some ammunition and the Broncos just being an ugly brand of football I mean I don't want to look forward to this week already but Christmas Day the Broncos and if it's not Russell Wilson it's Brett Ripken playing against literally the LA Rams so what a treat what a gift that the Christmas gods have given us to put the Broncos and the Rams on Christmas day, thinking preseason defending Super Bowl champs and right. Russell Wilson led Broncos, you know, that, that was like a matchup made in heaven. And now 15 weeks later, it's like the worst football game we could possibly get. 
a game that had one of the wildest finishes I've ever seen, and it should not have gone to the team that actually ended up getting the benefit of winning this game. The Patriots traveled to Vegas to take on the Raiders. This game was a pick 'em over under 44 and a half. That hits with ease. The overcash is 30 to 24 final. The Raiders win this one in insane fashion. Insane fashion. The final score is 24 to 24 with like 10 seconds left. The Patriots have the ball with the chance to go to overtime, but they want to try to kick a field goal at the end. But they play as if they are losing the football game and they need a touchdown to tie where they start doing some weird-ass lateral shit and Jacoby Myers throws the football across the football field and gets intercepted, or in this case, it's a fumble, but basically intercepted because he threw the football and Chandler right. Jones basically catches it and runs it back for a touchdown at the buzzer with zero on the clock and the Raiders win one of the wildest finishes I've ever seen. Uh, you got to feel for Myers. Post-game, he was actually teary, you know, teared up realizing like the, the the magnitude and the gravity of the mistake he made. And in the moment, it's hard to fault him because, you know, you're trying to find ways to win. So, uh, you know, your brain can work in mysterious ways. But again, for the Raiders, a team that still played this football game like they didn't deserve to win because they didn't do the things that they typically do to be successful, they come away victorious. Let's talk about the only real thing on the Patriots side. Ramondre Stevenson ended up playing. Damian Harris was scratched, uh, so he didn't really even have a backup outside of Pierre Strong and um, Kevin Harris, I guess. But Stevenson, 19 carries, 172 rushing yards and a touchdown. Running back four on the week with 23.8 fantasy points. Uh, really the only fantasy noteworthy player on the Patriots side, uh, except Nick Folk, who I will continue to vouch for till the end of my life because he's a fantastic fantasy kicker. Um, but on the Raiders side, Derek Carr, 231 through the air, three touchdowns, one interception. Jacobs, 22 rushes, 93 yards, two catches, 17 yards. The disappointing story, Devontae Adams, four catches, 28 yards. Not what you expect for another star-studded receiver in the playoffs. If you have Adams, you have a good chance that your team is in the playoffs, and that is not the performance you want. Darren Waller sighting, returns from the IR, plays limited snaps, but has three catches for 48 yards and a touchdown, and he looked pretty good doing it. So uh, Darren Waller is a guy that, with the tight end position being such a shit show, uh, if you're next week and you have one of the you know, insert random tight end from 2022 fantasy football season starting, you're probably looking at Waller over that guy, unless it's Travis Kelsey. So uh, that is definitely a interesting guy who is back right on the nick of time. Hopefully he can make an impact if you have him and you decide to start him. But other than that, man, again, when you're in offense and you have the best receiver in football and you refuse to get him involved, you don't deserve to win the football game. So it just broke my heart that the Raiders had the luckiest finish possible and, and end up winning this game uh 30 to 24 they're six and eight uh patriots are now seven and seven neither team still out of the playoffs awesome all right next up we've got the tennessee titans at la chargers chargers were favored by three points the over under was 47 and a half at the final score a low scoring affair 14 uh 14 to 17 the under hits there uh, Derek Henry had a really, really good game, 104 yards on 21 carries and a touchdown. Also complement that with four catches for 59 yards, kind of what you want to see from Derek Henry as Derek Henry owners. Uh, Eckler was injured in, um, I think the first quarter, um, uh, but he did score his 14th touchdown of the season in the fourth quarter. Uh, and he finished with a total of 70 yards. Ke uh, Joshua Kelly took his touchdown in the first quarter due to the, due to the injury. Um, but he came back and, and he still had a solid fancy Fancy week. Chijo Xiam Okonkwa. 
uh, four receptions, 54 yards on five targets. And that was the leading targets uh, for the uh, Tennessee Titans. So uh, he's still getting, um, you know, he's getting the uh, targets that you want to see. And, and moving forward, uh, you know, these are things you need to look at for next year. He's uh, a, an intriguing tight end to go out and draft. Keenan Allen, eight receptions on nine targets on 86 yards. Um, had a pretty good fantasy day as well. And then Herbert, uh, not so good. 313 yards, also through two interceptions and no touchdowns. But, but despite of lack the lack of Herbert's uh, play, um, as far as fantasy goes, the Chargers were still able to win the game. The game was tied 14-14, uh, to 14 and Dicker, the kicker, wins the game with a 43-yard field goal, which is his third um, game-winning uh, field goal. Um, yeah, game-winning field goal that he's had in his career. So uh, good for Dicker, the kicker, which, uh, yeah, I just love saying that. Dicker, the kicker. It's just, it's just uh, a perfect, perfect. It's a perfect game. kicker name. It's a perfect kicker name, right. Dicker. Any, anything the only thing more perfect would have been kicker if his last name kicker was kicker. kicker the kicker <laughs> the kicker but yeah dicker the oh. kicker is definitely you, the, the best you thing. know what the, you know what that reminds me of um it's like the first i don't know if it's the first season or the second season of the office super early where dwight lies about going to the dentist and michael's like what's your dentist's name and he's like crentist it's like your <laughs> dentist's name is crentist <laughs> uh but yeah anyways dicker the kicker Crentis the dentist. You're, wow. Yeah, Crentis the dentist. <laughs> uh, but yeah, all in all, Tennessee is now seven and seven. I think their playoff hopes, um, they're they're at the top in the. Uh, they're AFC still winning their division, top. man. Still yeah, winning, winning their division. Um, and then the Chargers are eight and six. I think the Tennessee, based on what we talked about, it, the Jaguars need to win out, and the Tennessee also needs to win out for them to continue staying in um, in, in the first round of the. Uh, AFC or to win that division, they need to keep winning. Yeah, and the thing is, one of those teams can't win out because they right. play each other the last game of the year. So uh, I'm really, really hoping Tennessee loses to the Cowboys, and then it's a tie record heading into the final week because that'll make that game insanely awesome. The Cincinnati Bengals continue to impress us. They play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Tampa Bay as three and a half point favorites, and they cover the spread 34 to 23 final over 44 caches. They're now 10 and four Tampa Bay falls to six and eight. Doesn't matter. Still winning their division. Another game where it was a tale of two halves. The Buccaneers went, were leading at halftime 17 to three, but Burrow and game came back in the second half. Burrow with 200 passing yards only, but four passing touchdowns did throw an interception. Brady also had a decent game through the air, 312 yards, three touchdowns did also throw two interceptions. Uh, the running game for the Cincinnati Bengals not as great as we've seen it. Mixon 11 for 21, P Ryan 7 for 24. Mixon salvages his day, catching five balls for 33 yards. Uh, receiving court kind of spread out, but everybody gets into the end zone. Jamar Chase 7 for 60 and a score. Boyd 5 for 35 and a score. Higgins 5 for 33 and a score. So touchdowns all around for the receiving core there. Leonard Fournette, the running back for the Buccaneers, 10 for 44. Uh, White got 11 carries for 38, so a little less efficient, but one more carry. Fournette did catch four balls for 30 yards versus White's one for five. So, uh, again, a split situation, something that we've talked about all year for. So uh, definitely heading into the you know the second half of your matchup or the finals, uh, that's still, that situation has not resolved itself. So you're still flipping a coin if you're deciding who to start there. Godwin continues to be the staple in their receiving core, eight for 83 and a touchdown. Evans did have a nicer day than you know what he's done in the past, five for 83. Russell Gage had eight catches for 59 yards and two scores. So uh, Russell Gage becomes an interesting 
fantasy option where the Buccaneers continue to need to throw the football and Evans does not seem like himself. Gage looked nice in his limited touches. I mean, limited, but he had eight catches. But in the limited snaps he played, he still looked really, really good. And he looked a lot more explosive than the other two receivers. So I don't know if they're going to utilize much more of him. But the Buccaneers, six and eight, they don't look pretty. They're probably still going to win the division and make the playoffs. In the playoffs, I'm sure nobody wants to see this Tampa Bay team because who wants to see Tom Brady in the playoffs despite what their regular season record was? But man, am I impressed with these Cincinnati Bengals. Show it 10 and four. They just continue to win football games. Their defense is playing a really good brand of football. And right now, the offense is just clicking on all cylinders. I mean, you're not even having to see Jamar Chase 15 catches, 150 yards, and two scores, right? They're able to spread the ball. They have enough weapons. Their offensive line has done a lot better of a job protecting protecting Joe Burrow. And if the running game can be a little bit better than they were in this game in which they still won by 11 points, then this team becomes really, really difficult to beat and to face in the playoffs. Yeah. It's another solid game by, by Joe Burrow. All right. That takes us to Sunday night football where the New York giants faced the commanders uh, at Washington. The final score was 22, 12. The Giants were favored by four and a half. The commanders were favored by four and a half points, and that cover that spread did not that cover that spread did not get covered. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the Saquon had um, a decent game. Uh, he was kind of shut down most of the game, but then in the fourth quarter, um, he had he had some some big runs, which led to 87 yards on 18 carries, and he also had a direct snap uh, touchdown. Brian Robinson, 12 carries for 89 yards. It, there was a touchdown that gets called back because of a penalty on Terry McLaurin, which I've watched that uh, replay about like 10 times to figure out why the ref gave him the okay signal and then called that, uh, called that play. Lots of, lots of uh, sus, um, you know, penalties uh, on in that game. Jahan Dotson for Washington, four receptions on six targets, uh, finishes with 105 yards and a touchdown. And then Terry McLaurin, six receptions on six targets for 70, 70 yards. So pretty good game for the Washington receivers. But it all boils down to, you know, it was one of those, one of those low-scoring affairs. And Kayvon Thibodeau had 12 total tackles and a touchdown on a fumble um, to give the Giants a, a score as well. So uh, the Giants, they just played a better better defense and were able to get to, to uh, Heineke uh, often. So uh, they come out with a win. Giants just need want to win one of their final three wins, three games to get in and clinch and uh, with a victory and losses by Seattle and Detroit. So if Seattle and Detroit loses and they just win one game, then they're in the playoffs. Yeah, man, I was impressed. An impressive game by the Giants defense. Kayvon Thibodeau looked like the number one overall pick. Like it looked, you know, he looked so good. Uh, He was everywhere. Uh, And you mentioned he had that touchdown. And man, what a year for first round receivers. I mean, we have not had a bust. None of the first round receivers have been a bust. Like situationally, they're not like some of them aren't in the best spots. Like Traylon Burks has been hurt, concussed. His offense is absolutely trash. But in the flashes we've seen him play, he's been really good. And I don't, did Burks even go in the first round? He might've got pushed to the second, um, or maybe he went later first. I forget, but, um, you know, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, J- Jamison Williams, and a guy that again, goes under the radar here, John Dodson, man, in the games he played early in the season before he got hurt, all this guy was doing was catching touchdowns. He comes back. All he does is catch touchdowns in this game, hundred yards. So, uh, they have a really, really special receiving core. If Dotson pans out, McLaurin is still there. Curtis Samuel, kind of that Swiss army knife. I love what I'm seeing from Robinson running the football. This team is again, kind of a quarterback away. Cause the defense is slowly figuring it out. You're waiting for chase young to get healthy. So, uh, another team that, you know, watch out 
to trade up or at least draft a quarterback of the future next year. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Like, those, you know, there's Drake London in the mix too. I don't know if you mentioned him, but yeah, um, I didn't mention him. No, all these guys, like even though with stats, like Jameson Williams is hurt, but there's yeah. so much potential there as well. So none of these yep. guys are looking like bust in terms of like they just don't have the skill. They all look. Yeah, like it's not like Jalen Rigger as a first round right. draft pick just looking like complete trash. Like everyone has played their part to the best of like kind of the situation that they're in, right? Even Drake London, like his offense, he had Mariota as his quarterback who barely throws the football, but in flashes, you can see the talent level is there. So uh, just an impressive, impressive, like rookie receiving draft class. And I'm excited to see kind of what the future holds for uh, most of these guys and guys that are going under the radar, like Jahan Dotson. Let's end the rundown show of it with Monday night football. The LA Rams travel to Green Bay to take on the Packers. Uh, final score in this game, 12 to 24. The Packers win the game. They cover the spread of seven points under 39 and a half caches. The Rams are now four and 10. We've already talked about the downfall of the Rams. Green Bay six and eight, still not mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. I mean, it was all Packers here. Uh, the stat line for Baker Mayfield is one of the crazier things I've ever seen. He had 111 passing yards, one touchdown, one interception, ran the ball one time for one yard. So every single thing on his stat line was a one 111 yards, one touchdown, one interception, one oh, carry for shit. one yard. That is some wild, wild shit. Cam Akers, 12 carries for 65 yards, three catches, 35 yards actually look kind of decent. Uh, although it's not hard to look decent when you're playing for an offense that is so bad. Tyler Higby caught the one touchdown from Baker, four catches, 27 yards. Rogers on the other end, not like he had his best day, but they ran the football effectively 229 through the air, one touchdown, one interception. Aaron Jones had a nice game, 17 carries, 90 yards, caught four balls for 36 yards and found the end zone through the air. Dylan also had a nice game. 11 rushes, not 336, 36 rushing yards, two scores on the ground, vulturing those Jones carries, three catches and 35 yards for the Dylan himself. So both running backs playing like what we expected this backfield to look like heading into this season. The receiving core, Romeo Dobbs, five for 55, Christian Watson, I think end of the first quarter with no catches. I honestly thought, oh my God, is there no. a chance? But no, he had four catches for 46 yards. Uh, and Alan Lazard had one catch for seven yards. If Christian Watson had one catch for seven yards, would you have won or would you have still lost? I would have still lost because that's 1.2 points. And I was yeah. down by like 1.1 or something like that. I would have still uh, lost. Okay. Okay, man. So, so it was going to be incredibly tough. I mean, at that right. point, right? Watson had to like put a goose egg in the hat. And, yeah, you know, I thought... I thought it was there after the first quarter, but then you see like the amount of targets and kind of plays they actually run designed for Watson. It's just not feasible because he's getting too much volume and too many looks from Aaron Rodgers. Um, and I think Rodgers took a shot at uh, Watson post game or something. What he said, oh. like, if you want to score touchdowns, you got to run the right routes or something like that. I don't oh, know if that's. Well, no, yeah, he, he took a shot at him at the touchdown. I thought you meant like he he did target him at the end zone. He and, did, uh, he did, yep. And he didn't that that wasn't a completed pass. So, um, I thought that's what you're referring to. And so that would have been no, that was in the first half. And if that happened, uh, it would have been game over at the first half. Yeah, so I didn't know yeah. about the shots after game. That he he did, I, and I think he's referring to that play. So it sounds like it was like Watson's mess up as a put. And I don't remember specifically how that play uh, was formulated or not, but or like how it got played out. But um, nonetheless, I mean that's just Rogers himself. He loves to take shots at his teammates. Um, but other than that, the Packers still take this game. They're still not out of it, and they're another team 
you know, as long as you have Aaron Rodgers, um, nobody wants to see you in the playoffs, right? Nobody wants to see Green Bay in the playoffs. If they sneak in as a seventh seed, they're going to play the two seed, which just so happens to be possibly the Minnesota Vikings. So I don't think even as Vikings fans, even though we've had our success against Green Bay, the one time we played them and we still have to play them one more time, I don't want to see Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs. That still does worry me. So the Packers are now six and eight. They need to win out and they do still need some help to make the playoffs. That is the rundown, Chauvet. Let's go ahead and hand out some awards. My award this week is the gif from Toy Story where Woody has his cowboy hat and he's like, so long, partner. So long, partner. Who could it be? It's a very obvious one. Is it? Yeah. Uh, is, is it Trevor Lawrence? I don't, I don't know. No, no. It is... Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts gets my so long partner award. This guy has been everything I could have hoped for him to be and more this year. Uh, Just a fantastic fantasy year. And not only just fantasy man, I mean, he took the next step as a passer. He looks incredible. Like he is showing no weaknesses right now. So the Eagles have themselves a future quarterback and a future superstar. And for fantasy, this guy is you know, a star every year until he's no longer in the league or until he gets hurt or something. So uh, he had a fantastic season. I hate to see that it ends this way right before the championships for most people. So uh, I wish he could have carried it all the way through and and kind of done what he's done all year, but you're going to have to look elsewhere. But still for everything you've done, Jalen Hurts so far this year, I mean, I salute you uh, and hopefully you have a speedy recovery. So he gets my so long partner award. Man, that's so sad. Toy Story was such it a good sad. movie. Such and, a great uh, movie. Yeah. Yeah. He's taken that step that guys like Kyler Murray have yet to take and Justin Fields needs to take as well. Um, 100%. That differentiates him as a, as that type of quarterback. All right. My award is going to be old, but gold. Who old? Who's older? Who's like an older player? <laughs> older player that had a really good uh, week this week. Older player with a good week. Honestly, I can't even tell you. Yeah, we've given him some other names too. Uh, we've given him the the vulture name. But... Oh, baby, <laughs> it's good. It's be... our boy. Yep, our boy Latavius Murray turning back the time with twenty four carries, one hundred and thirty yards, one touchdown. His longest was thirty five yards in the game. I mean, you know, Mike Boone also got a touchdown there. But the fact that Latavius Murray, as wide receiver one at the age that he is, going to all these different teams is out here doing what he just did. Um, he gets he gets the old but gold award. So kudos for him. So so unappreciated, right? Like yeah. again, teams are just like we don't want you, we don't want you. He just keeps getting bounced around everywhere he goes. This guy produces. I just do not understand, you know, teams' inability or you know incapability to keep him on the roster. Like he can't be expensive. He's older. He's cheap, and he produces. And for being old, he's relatively healthy. Like he does not get hurt. So uh, I don't know, man. He he kind of does the best of everything you could ask for a running back and you know he still doesn't get the love he deserves so i'm glad you're showing him some love on the only playbook man get latavius on this pod <laughs> that is the award shove it let's end the episode with handing out our brownie points my brownie points this week go to a guy who i was thoroughly impressed with a guy who coming into this season i thought had the ability to be 
you know, take the next step and be who he kind of showed he could be this game. It goes to Minnesota Vikings receiver KJ Osborne, 10 catches, 157 yards and a score. Again, 16 targets. That is insanity for a wide receiver three on the football team. Uh, he definitely needs, we needed somebody to step up as a wide receiver two consistently. Adam Thielen gets, is on the field, is off the field, gets hurt. Hawkinson was who he traded for. Is a nice tight end. He's dropped passes here and there, but he's still solid. KJ Osborne showed a glimpse of what could be. He was the wide receiver two in fantasy football. I mean, there's probably no world where somebody started. I mean, there is, but no real world unless you're in like 18, 20 man leagues where you started KJ Osborne this week. But regardless, this dude put up an insane stat line that wide receiver ones haven't even put up this year. So some wide receiver ones. So insane, insane game for KJ Osborne. A big reason why the Vikings had that historic comeback. KJ Osborne, you get all of my brownie points. Yeah, he's not even in like the, you know, when you see, when you pick up, pick up the ESPN Fantasy app, look at receivers and you look at top three yeah. on the waivers, like he's not even there. He's ha- he's projecting five points. So, um, you know, if you're listening to this podcast and he's available and you need to pick up a receiver uh, for this week and maybe you don't trust Olave or something, KJ Osborne is not a bad, bad, uh, bad play for next week. I, I was actually going to pick another Vikings receiver, a Vikings player. I think the, um, you know, basically Dalvin Cook, JJ, um, you know, your Kirk Cousins, Kirk, anyone, yeah. anyone could have earned these brownie points. But my brownie points is going to go to Trevor Lawrence this week. Finished with 318 yards, but most importantly, four touchdowns against the Dallas Cowboys. Led them to a uh, a comeback victory, uh, taking the game to overtime. I think he he's coming out of his kind of like shell a little bit, and uh, he's performing like the QB one, you know, like like he was drafted as he uh, you know as he was expected to play, and and he's doing that with a a good receiving core with Jay Jones and. Um, Christian Kirk, and even Evan Ingram. So uh, for that, Trevor Lawrence gets my brownie points uh, this week. Yeah, dude, he he is slowly, finally starting to be like the player you mentioned that we, everybody, the whole world expected him to be as this like, you know, the next Peyton Manning, the number one overall pick, a can't miss player. And you're seeing the benefit of like the guy's reaping those benefits, right? Like Zay Jones having a career day. And again, in what world did somebody start Zay Jones? Maybe somebody did because he's usually kind of up there in waiver wire pickups and projections. Uh, Ironically, I sent you guys the matchup, the other matchup in my playoffs, the guy did start Zay Jones and he was a massive underdog. And now he heads into the second week of the matchup up almost 50 points, bro. So it was one of the most clutch starts I've ever seen from anybody in fantasy football. Zay Jones, fantastic week, but it could not have happened without the play of this man, Trevor Lawrence, heading into next year, man, top 10 fantasy quarterback, top 10, probably quarterback in the NFL. I'm excited to see how they finish out this season and how kind of the off season plays out for them. And another year in the off season under Doug Peterson, that mastermind, uh, the future is so bright for the Jags and for Trevor Lawrence. What a perfect segue show of it. Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars. Let's talk about them one more time. We'll preview Thursday night football that kicks off in two days where these same Jaguars are traveling to New York to take on the Jets. It is a pick em. Vegas has no idea who should be favored over under 38 and a half. We talked about the playoff implications and they start this week and boy, am I excited. So if we pull up the playoff projection standings right now, the Jets are currently sitting in the ninth seed. They're tied with the eight seed Patriots at seven and seven. They're both one game back of the six and seven seed, which is the Chargers and the Dolphins at eight and six, but right below the Jets and Patriots 
are the Jaguars who are creeping there at six and eight. And I talked about it. The Jaguars need to win the next two. So they have that showdown with Tennessee. It all starts in New York this week. The good thing for the Jags, it looks like Mike White is not going to be the quarterback. It is going to be Zach Wilson for another week. Uh, so that should help the Jacksonville Jaguars out. But um, I'm really, really excited to see the Jaguars, you know, coming off a really, really impressive victory. Don't have a letdown spot. It's a short week. You're going on the road. You're playing in a tough environment. It's going to be cold and you're usually playing in warm, sunny Jacksonville. So everything is working against them. My, my mind tells me to take the Jets as a favor, as a pick em, right? As a coin toss at home. But, you know, my, my heart my heart and my bias tells me to take Trevor Lawrence and just ride this wave because he's playing some phenomenal football. Um, but I'm excited because fantasy wise, you're looking at Lawrence, you're looking at, you know, ETN, um, you know, the receiving core has been great. Albeit you don't know which guy's going to step up in what week. So the consistency factor is a little hit or miss, but Evan Ingram has been a good play. I feel great about him this week. And on the Jets side, uh, I mean, they're at home. It's going to be cold. I don't mind playing the Jets defense, even though Jaguars have been phenomenal, uh, you know, as of late. But what are you looking out for in this matchup? Who do you think really stands out here? Oh, man, this is the uh, first pick of the draft versus the second pick of the draft. And I'm sure Wilson, Zach Wilson, is going to be a little bit nervous playing against on, on primetime TV. He right? should be. He should be because he's so much worse. He's so much worse. Absolutely. And I think that's going to have a big factor in this game as well. The, yes, the Jets have a better defense. Um, but the Jets really need to be able to run the ball effectively in order for them to win the game because that's how they win win games. You know, their defense is good and they run the ball and they get points like that. But um, the Jet, the, def, the run offense wasn't really good against the Lions. Uh, and so they, they'll need to do that. And, you know, they, they do pass run. They get to the quarterbacks uh, very uh, you know, better than some of the other teams, but the Jaguars are really good at protecting Trevor Lawrence. Their their offensive line is good too. So I'm going to give the upper hand to to the Jaguars here. It's it's a pick 'em, but I I am more confident picking Trevor Lawrence than Zach Wilson, who is under is going to be under a lot of pressure. So I don't think he he will um, meet those standards. Yeah, I mean, you bring up a great point. I I don't even know why I overlooked the fact that it's the number one pick versus the number two pick, but Zach Wilson just doesn't feel like that to me. So it's like, it's so easy to forget. And you're right. He's been a guy that, you know, I think has let the mental aspect of the game affect him more so than other people. So yeah, this is a little mental head game where it's like, this is the guy that everybody thought was so much better than me. And he is so much better than me. He's playing so much better than me. So I really have a lot to prove. So that is added pressure that I don't think Zach Wilson needs. And that could be a recipe for disaster for the Jets offense. So uh, it's going to be a great matchup on Thursday Night Football, a game that I'm finally excited about to watch on Thursday. Uh, so we will see kind of how the playoff standings shake out after that game transpires. That is the episode show of it. That is everything we had for Week 15 Recap. Congrats if you won your fantasy matchups. I'm so sorry if you didn't, but there's always next year. You can always take away so many different things and learn so many things about fantasy football. And sometimes, again, you can do everything in your power and do, make all of the right decisions, and the fantasy gods just say, it's not your time, bro. And so at that point, you just move on, you just accept it, and you get ready for the next year. So um, that is all we have for you guys. Thank you guys so much for the support. If you're watching, you're watching on YouTube, hit the subscribe button and turn your notifications on so you know when we post our videos. If you're listening, you can catch us on every podcast platform that's out there. Follow us on social media, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, at Only Playbook. Again, I'm Sweetheart. That's Chauvet. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Have a fantastic week and a great holiday season. We'll catch you guys on Friday.